0: Welcome to the ACC Kids Leadership Podcast, where we aim to help resource kids' pastors and leaders. I'm Andy Kirk, and today I've got with me Terry Parkman, who is a next-gen expert. That's where I'm going to start. That's that's where I'm going to start, Terry. (laughs) Terry, it's great to have you with us.
1: It's an honor to be with
0: you, man. Thank you so much for having me out today. Terry, I, I was going to start leading into all of the Terry um, leads in this space at River Valley and one hope and all of that. And I just thought, you know what, you are going to do this job better than me. So can you explain and give all the listeners just a bit of context in yeah. the many facets of what you do around ministry, but in on a whole, it's just really empowering and leading next gen leaders. So.
1: Absolutely. Just a bit of yeah. So. I I serve at River Valley Church out of Minneapolis, Minnesota in the USA, and I am the next-gen pastor. So we're a multi-site church. We have about nine campuses, and my role is to oversee all things kids, youth, young adults, and our internship programs across all of our campuses. So my direct downline are the lead kids pastor, lead youth pastor, the lead young adults pastor, and our internship director, and I'm passionate about next-gen. I also uh, am the global next gen lead for empower 21 empower 21 is the largest relational network on the planet and it's the largest spirit field network on the planet which has a goal of seeing everybody come to christ or at least have an encounter so they could accept christ by 2033 and so it's an audacious goal but with yeah. the networks involved we believe it can happen i also serve as the um global uh, next-gen ambassador for an organization called One Hope, which is very passionate about about getting the gospel into the hands of every young person all around the world. And so it's
0: all next-gen for me. It's like next-gen for life. And how many different ways can I express it? (laughs) That's amazing. Well, we've had a lot to do with One Hope. We've on the podcast and videos with, uh, even with Rob Hoskins, we've also had uh, a number of different staff uh, unpack the uh, Bible app for kids, the kids Bible experience, as well as the global youth study that, uh, that was done recently, in particular, the Australian uh, component of that. So yeah. one hope um, we, we love all that they're doing um, and, and within the church, what's happening around the nation, uh, around the world, rather. I know that yeah. recently you had a meeting with empowered 21 that was through, through that network. Um, but really what is happening around the world in next gen at the moment? I, I know that we've had, offline discussions, but God's doing something yeah. right now and reshaping the church, the capital C church in this space.
1: Absolutely. You know, um, that is that is so spot on. And I don't know if we can ever overstate that. Like God is doing something unique in the mm-hmm. church today. Uh, we just had a gathering of global next-gen leaders, people who lead movements and denominations for the next generation all around the world, gathered together in Budapest just to see um, what God is doing in different parts of the world and to see if we can identify emerging common themes. Mm-hmm. And what we found um, has been startling. I think it's very important for us to understand first that we live in a global generation, like the world's first global generation that is connected across borders and boundaries and oceans um, in ways that we've never been connected before. And we stay connected for five to eight hours a day globally, globally. What that does, being on your screen for that long, is it does the same in your brain, the same neurological process takes place as does when you learn a new language. So I don't know about the last time you spent learning a language for five to eight hours a day, but the next generation does it across borders and boundaries. That means for the first time in history, Since the Tower of Babel, we have a whole generation being neurologically rewired to think and process and pursue information in the same way. So we have the world's first global generation on our hands since the Tower of Babel. And this recognition of what happened during COVID and lockdowns had taken what the trajectory had been for the next generation, and it sped it up by about five years. And what I mean is this. Um, what we began seeing uh, was the, the death of the attractional model in church. Now, the attractional model in the church world was necessary 20 to 25 years ago because the church was in a dreadful state, and it was in need of an update. It was in need of a facelift, and attractional model church did it. However, each of these models only have a lifespan of about 20 to 25 years, And COVID sped that up by 20 years. And what emerged was a more missional slash relational type model. And what I mean by missional isn't missions, but people who want to be on mission and aligned with the call of God. And they want to be doing that within the context of the body of Christ, where they can be held accountable to that. And that's what's expected coming out of COVID. And when many people left their lockdowns and showed back up to church, many people felt like, man, this church that I love doesn't feel the same anymore. And what's changed wasn't the church, but what changed, and I got so much to say about this. What changed were their expectations, because mm-hmm. what they did when they were in lockdown is they took a hard look at their life, and they yeah. made a decision that when I emerge from this, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna play games anymore. And when they went to the church, and the church was still playing games, but they weren't, they saw uh, a disparity between how they felt and what they saw, and many people left the church. And they started pursuing other churches or forming their own faith communities in order to be on mission with God's call. And so when I'm thinking about the next generation, Andy, I'm thinking across kids, youth, young adult, you name it. I think we have to be more missional in our approach Mm. and we have to start building young people from that place.
0: Yeah, look, that is brilliant. And I think you've um, probably given language to a lot of feelings. There's probably a lot of listeners out there that (laughs) that, that have been working their way through what am i feeling what am i seeing why what is happening here there's this this disconnection and and i've seen this outworked um many people have tried to express this and and you see you saw during COVID that 18 months um six months for some two years for australia lockdown but (laughs) at least we're out praise (laughs) god we're out but you saw um, in that season where people started deconstructing the church and they're starting to go, Oh, no, this is the problem here. This is the issue here. And, and, um, and, and I I I a hundred percent agree. I love that language around that, that attractional church. And we really yep. have built into it events. We have really built into that. Come on, gather together. And, and we've found it even in our own local church here as we've returned Hundred percent. The language you're using, missional church, that relational church, our connect groups um, have exploded. We we have wow. um, more. It was already strong, but but the, the connect group model. We restructured how we're doing our connect groups in order for people to be known more, to be discipled better, to resource them more. And so I think in in the church space, I agreed that where we're at right now is what before perhaps in what churches were crying out for, even through ACC kids was events. But now they don't want events. It's like, please resource us, resource us to help us to empower the parents in our church. And and we've seen that connection of Sunday and Monday more than ever before parents are saying, because they're at home, they're stuck at home. And they're like, oh, gee, I'm responsible for the faith formation of my child. Um, yes. How do I do this? And so parents partnering with the church to be more missional in seeing their own kids raising Christ. Yep. So I think that language is helpful for people. Let me ask a question then. Um, you've got leaders out there that are going, okay, I'm feeling this. What are some simple steps in in which yeah. we can start to, and this is hard because I know this is senior leaders need to, to be leading the charge in this space. And, and Totally. And we're having conversations now across our nation how we can um we can create um spaces and training for our senior leadership but really how can these next-gen leaders outwork some of these things they're feeling these changes you've given good language around it what are some of the changes you're seeing happening in local contexts
1: you know man there's so much there what i'm seeing one of the biggest things i'm seeing is that um, it's not about developing the core first, it's about developing the, uh, the crowd, it's about developing the core. And yeah. so much of church and the fractional model was built to reach the core, and then we had pathways to get, a, uh, I'm sorry, to reach the yeah. crowd, and then we had pathways to get them into the core. The problem yes. with that is everything we built was to sustain the crowd. If there, if we were if we were doing ministry when Jesus was feeding the five thousand, we would be so passionate about the five thousand that we would neglect the one at the center. And many times, many churches have built for the five thousand, and the five thousand are there because they're getting a free meal and they're and it's a place to be. But the 72 are there because they love the 5,000. The 12 are there because they love to, they, they're passionate about Jesus. And we don't build from the core out. Our attractional models are built from the crowd in. And so what we did is we transformed that. And I, and I went to my lead pastor and I went to leaders of our movement. And mm-hmm. I showed them these trends. And I said, look, we are having more and more young people leave because the attraction isn't a novel thing anymore. It's not what brings them in and sustains it there's a deeper hunger for more authentic conversation and they want to be more on mission. I said, so this is what I want to do. I want to reshape the way we do our kids and our youth services. And I want to work from the cro- from the core to the crowd. That means that we spend more time making discipleship, truly discipleship. And I think a lot of people, when they say, what's your model for discipleship? They say, oh, it's small groups. But a lot of small groups aren't discipleship. They're just enhanced relationship. Yeah. Because here's the thing if discipleship should breed evangelism, right? If I love football, if I love rugby, if I love uh, soccer, if I love American football, whatever it is, you love it. You know the players, you know the teams, you know the history, and you know it so much that you will talk to anybody who's willing to listen to you about that thing that you're passionate about because you've invested your life into that. Yeah. If we are truly discipling people and investing them into Christ Shouldn't the natural byproduct be evangelism? And since we don't have a mass movement of evangelism, maybe what we call discipleship truly isn't discipleship, and that needs to be interrogated, and we need to reframe that so we can actually build from the core to the crowd. So that's what we did. We said, how, A, do we reframe discipleship into a biblical model? B, how do we make sure that there is biblical literacy framed up in every sermon we preach, framed up in every small group that we have and every discipleship conversation. And number three, we ask ourselves the question, how can we help people learn cultural discernment? And I'll say this, cultural discernment, and you said it, cultural discernment is when something happens in culture. And if you have biblical literacy in your life, if you're a biblical believer and you understand the word of God, you're gonna take that cultural moment and filter it through the word of God. And what comes out at the bottom is redeemed culture. That's kingdom culture. The problem is if you're not biblically literate, Then you're going to take the Bible and filter it through a cultural moment. And what comes out at the bottom is secular humanism or Christianity without the Christ. And you can have a cultural Christian and a biblical Christian next to each other in church. And they act the same, talk the same, smell the same. But until you say something that triggers them, the biblical Christian will run it biblically. The cultural Christian will run it culturally. And if it doesn't align with their cultural values, they're going to leave their biblical values and leave your church in the process. Making us think, oh, they're core people. And so what we realize is this is first being exemplified in young people, and we're seeing this happen in young people. So if we don't teach them how to be biblically founded through discipleship frameworks, through biblical literacy and cultural discernment, we're going to see them leave, not because they don't love Jesus, but because we're not answering questions that they're truly asking. So those (laughs) are a few frameworks that we ran with when we overhauled and redesigned each component of our ministry from kids all the way through young adults.
0: I I I feel like I just grew smarter in about two minutes. <laughs> that is that is brilliant, right there. That is right there. I think that what you're talking about, um, again gives language. We've got Christians sitting side by side in church, and I think this is probably what the tension that we're feeling right now in our churches. Yeah. That that post COVID, we've come out, and you've got people who are just saying, "I want I want to be on mission." and other people who are that cultural Christian still sitting there going shivers. I was pretty comfortable with the secular version that we were dishing up through our event driven Christianity for the last decade. And, and now you want to challenge me biblically. Oh yeah. I'm I'm going to go, I'm going to go back out and join the rugby club and find my community there. And, uh, and, and that's happening. You've got, you've got people walking away or, um, I don't mind it. I, I know that sounds funny, but I don't mind this. It's it's that pruning. It's that pruning yep. season. It's that refining yep. season for the church to grow into the next um, stage yep. of where we're going. But how we yep. do that really has to be intentional in in what you're saying. Yep. I think that that is um, that is brilliant.
1: You know, you mentioned pruning. And we also look at we always look at pruning as like a backwards act, like I'm not good enough. So now we need to stop and cut something away before we move forward. But pruning is a future act. The Bible says I prune you so that you bear more fruit. Yeah. And one of the biggest pieces is we don't want to change our model to be more biblically based or more missionally grounded because we don't want to lose those people that we know are cultural Christians. But unless yeah. we allow them to be pruned, not through my opinions and not through my sermons, but through the word of God, unless we allow them to be pruned, then our ministries won't bear, bear fruit. They will right. be a vine that has a lot of leaves, but no fruit. And that's what God, Jesus cursed and caused to wither. And so pruning is a future act. And if there's pruning happening in your kids or youth ministry or your church, that is not an indictment against you, but that is God's faithfulness to who he's called your church to be and His answer to many of your prayers to say, God, help us to bear more fruit. And so I think for many leaders, they're seeing pruning happening and they're reacting like it's a bad thing. Well, what right. if it's an answer to prayer you prayed long ago for your kids or youth ministry? And now God is following through by making space so new growth can happen.
0: Yeah. I, I love that thought that you said true discipleship equals evangelism. And, and so unless we actually are discipling them in the word of God, you know, if, if we're sitting here going, well, how do we know that we are discipling? Well, we would, we would see people active in their faith, in, in reaching others, in, in going out in the, young con, in, in the young context, is into their schools, for families, reaching out to families. And, uh, and I just think that that, that there is, is, a, is a real key thought that I'm sitting here reflecting through now in our church. Okay, how many of our family connect group leaders, how, many, how, how active are they are engaging? How active are they in serving to then serve the new people who are coming in? How active are our young people in in evangelizing? Do I have to put on this big event for youth, for youth to be expanding? Or am I just seeing people come in and be discipled and grown through small groups? We do small groups every Friday night. It's part of our. We do have big group. We have the worship, the preaching, but we have small groups. What I'm hearing is that growth right now is happening because of the relationship through small groups. That's what it's, they all it's long so for. True. we doubled down on that. So I
1: told my youth pastors and kids pastors that they can't preach more than 12 to 15 minutes on stage before they go to groups because our only job on stage, here's a problem. We saw our, our youth ministry. I remember I told our pastor, I said, look, we're going to change our models and we're going to give students more time on the floor to process and wrestle with yeah. the content of God's word. Yep. And we're going to start from the core, but we might lose the people on in the crowd. And our lead pastor said, do it. I said, don't look at my numbers for like two years. And it grew. Dude, we grew by 150% in four months. And so we took a survey from our students. We actually asked them why they're actually bringing friends now. And yep. they told us this. I thought it was like, oh, we, they like our new model. They like our new flow. They said, no, now we finally have a place where we can talk. And I want to bring my friends into that. What they were saying is I wasn't inviting my friend because you wouldn't shut up. And I'm like, so what I did is we said 12 to 15 minutes at the front. And the only job of the pastor is to backfill the biblical knowledge piece. Like if they like make them biblically literate and build attention so that they wrestle in their groups, I tell them, don't preach the best point of the sermon. Don't even land the plane, but lead them into a wrestling match. Why? Because every great identity change in the Bible is preceded by a great wrestling match. Literally with Jacob. Every time God wanted to change somebody's identity, he led them into a wrestling match. So as a preacher, it only takes 12 to 15 minutes to backfill the content of the word with knowledge, to create attention, then to kick them to groups so they wrestle with it. Because what you wrestle with, you become competent in. And as you become competent in that thing, then you can influence. Because we don't influence from what we know. We influence out of what we become. And if I don't have that place that they can become in the midst of our service, you've said it, man, small groups small groups that are intentional for discipleship. If we don't have that, we expect them to influence from knowledge. And we know that if you could influence from knowledge, every college graduate would be an influencer. And that ain't true. The only influencers are the people who have lived it and wrestled with it and
0: now have something to show for it. And if we can create that, man, that's the game. That is so good. I, I see it in my own family's life. I've got two middle schoolers right now. Wow. And and so, you know, I'm in that space. Um, we we have youth camp next week and me in my next gen role, I get to go to youth camp. I don't know if I'm going to crowd my middle schoolers style, <laughs> that, um, the two of them, but, but dad will be there. Um, but I, You're I'm cooler uh, than they know. You're yeah, way cooler exactly. than they know. <laughs> they know it, but what I did see was I walked into church um, the other day. I had an arm around one of my young boys, and um, and they're all cool. They they love it. They they're affectionate. But I'm walking in like this, and their Connect group leader was the first guy that we we met as we walked in. He happened to be in the foyer space, and and my son just oh yeah high fives him, and and he goes oh come on we're we're all sitting on this side of church or whatever, and, and off he goes, and I'm watching this image as he walks away, and I'm seeing the most significant relationship right now being formed is is that and I was totally okay and secure in that space I'm always dad and they're always you know statistics show they they still want the advice of their parents more than their peers or more than all the rest so I'm comfortable in knowing where we sit in a relationship but what made my heart leap was the fact that they have these great relationships that are going to help form them and help them wrestle exactly what you're saying through these form who they are and once they're formed to that they're going to be more secure they're going to be hey i can invite my friends into this space because jamali or you know isaac or these guys are there with me and shaping life and so i'm seeing exactly what you're saying start to unfold in front of my eyes and it's um it's actually pretty awesome Oh, yeah,
1: that's awesome that he's choosing community and believe, like missional community, dude, like he's choosing, yeah. I'm going to pursue what I want my faith community to look like. And he's going to do that when he leaves high school. Yep. He's going to do that when he goes into college and in university, yep. like because you're allowing that to take place. And I wonder how many yep. parents say, no, 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 you stay with me. Yep. And it's like you are telling them that they can't choose their faith community in church. You right. know, so the fact that you're securing that, dude, not many people do that. But that's an example,
0: I think for a lot of parents out there. Well, I just think that it's funny. I couldn't find him um, the week later and he's in church somewhere. And I found, you know, he's vacuuming one of our kids ministry rooms. Like this kid doesn't vacuum at home. Like, I'm like, why is he vacuuming the kids ministry? Tell you why he's vacuuming because the music's pumping and that same connect group leader was serving on kids that morning. And, and he, him and all his mates were in there, music pumping, dance off, whatever, but they were cleaning up the kids' room space. So if it's actioning him to not only be part of community, but actioning him to serve and actioning him to, 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 to be excited about his faith, I'm seeing this in my own family and I'm going, yeah. all right, I don't know what this is, but this this needs to be multiplied. This needs to be multiplied. Just this these few little interactions in the last few weeks. And I think what you're talking about, in and bringing language around it um, is so true. I think as we 100% move from that um, move from that attractional model into that missional and relational model, that is what this next generation want. And I just think that that's the, that's, that's incredible. Well, Terry, I think we've we've given um, everyone who's watching <laughs> or listening a whole lot to chew on here. Um, <laughs> Hey, if they if they're interested, they want to know uh, a little bit more, even about Empowered 21. Can you just tell them where to go to if they want to if they want to know a little bit more about that? That's that's certainly something that we'd yeah. love to have churches um connect in and be involved with. We would love
1: it. Yeah, Empower 21. You can just go to empower21.com and yeah. and find out truly more about what it is and how you can be involved. We have a huge event coming up in Amsterdam in June of 2023. This is gonna be the largest evangelistic. Event ever. So the goal is to, in 2023, catalyze evangelism. And that begins a 10 year countdown in 2033, arguably 2,000 years since the death and resurrection of Christ. 2033 is going to be the place where we say, man, with all of our resources, if everybody's evangelizing and has a personal evangelistic strategy for their lives, we could see the gap close on the Great Commission. And in our lifetime, we could see this accomplished. Like, like you've heard the stats, if all the churches put their money together or networks, we would or put all the resources together, we'd see it happen. Well, Empower 21 to say, all right, we're going to try it then. Let's do it. And so it's a big goal, but that starts it out. So we would love any, I'm going to, I'm going to put the yeah. call out there, um, yeah. uh, especially for Oceania. We would love to see individuals who are young leaders of yeah. the next generation um, yeah. or those next generation leaders who are about to take some bigger roles. We
0: would love to include you into Empower 21 and into the conversation because there's a space for you at the table. That's amazing. Well, I know that we've had conversations and I've been in some of those uh, conversations. In fact, what we would love to do is include a number of uh, the next gen leaders, kids, youth pastors from Australia. And over the next month, uh, six weeks, we're gonna organize a time and we're gonna get you on. You can chat to all of them. So if you are listening or you're watching and you say, hey, Andy, this really is um, exciting me. You go away and you look at that and you say, hey, in, uh, you know, uh, include me. Just email info at acckids.org.au and we'll include you in that communication and um, we'll get you connected when we um, gather together here in this uh, local area of Australia to see what we can do around Empowered 21. So Terry, thanks again for being with us. It's been brilliant. Thank you, man. It's always an honor. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, we look forward to next week uh, when you join us on the podcast. I've got my good friend, Dave Gilpin joining us. So um, make sure you connect in next week and... Uh, hear whatever madness he decides to talk through. So if you know Dave, um, you'll understand. If you don't, next week you will. So have a great week. Thanks again, Terry. Yep, thank you.